already. I've started recording, but obviously this isn't. Oh, maybe this will be in the episode. Maybe this is the the best bit of the episode. <laughs> Usually, yes. Yeah. I actually went back to maybe our last episode, and I just really enjoyed the banter at the beginning. I, I hope mm. others don't mind. <laughs> no, they they better don't. <laughs> right. I I don't really care. It's it's not it's for right. them. It's it's for yeah. us. That's right. <laughs> More bad advice. Yeah, is, that's so, interesting. Is this the is this the bad advice episode? Is that what we're gonna do? I don't I don't think that's that's after a good start. <laughs> we could totally go for it. <laughs> oh man. No, interesting though, Jamie, that you make this little thing just for friends and family, which is kind of the opposite approach to, to content creation. And I'm just thinking about this. Like everybody just tries to disseminate everything to as many people as possible. Why did you want to keep it just uh, in, in this like small scale? Well, um, sticking with like uh, some of the product analogies I love. So I'm using the, fr- this is my uh, MVB, Arvid, my minimum viable book. Mm-hmm. Right. So I have been experimenting with a new writing style this year. And that writing style is basically taking a photo, like digitally editing it to kind of match some of the signature style that I'm developing and then blending that with a 280 character short story. Hmm. And I think of those as like Lego bricks to my next projects. Um, this week I launched like physical postcards. Um, this book is another way that I'm able to package up my ideas. Right. Um, I think there are, when I start thinking about these Lego bricks that I'm building, uh, with very little intentionality right now, uh, I'm just trying to find like new ways to combine them and blend them. And so this was one of them. Uh, I think, I think now that I like, I'm able to hold and able to see it, like I'm able to realize what more I can do with some of these Lego bricks. Um, so yeah, it was really just like a test to see like, number one, what is the print quality? Like number two, um, uh, what does it feel like in the hands? And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just interesting. It's a good question. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm asking cause I, I saw just a little bit of the, the front of the book and maybe the one of the pictures in there. It kind of reminded me of the thing you did a couple of weeks ago where you asked people on Twitter like where, where they come from, the cities they came from, and then you kind of started playing with your style. Is that connected or, or not? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've been using a little bit of everything for inspiration. So I have been, uh, like, part of my method right now is, like, transporting the reader to a faraway place. Hmm. Um that's one thing. And so like location, location is, is really important to me and finding new settings. Uh, I also want to like connect my community members in ways that they may not have seen before. And it was really interesting in the comments section there, people saying, I didn't know you were from, so like from Mm -hmm. from this place or that place. Like I grew up down the street, like it's actually kind of crazy. So yeah, um, that's one thing. I've also been asking the community to contribute to some of my stories as well. And have been curating some of their ideas, six word stories, 280 character stories into some of my newsletters and stuff like that. So that's been interesting kind of blending a lot of these different ideas together. Um, I think I mentioned last on our last uh, conversation, like I've been doing all of these different things and it hasn't seemed like any of the dots really connect, but I know in the back of my mind, they do connect. I just Mm -hmm. haven't connected them yet. And I think like a book like this one, I'm able to show how some of those concepts are, are related and uh, it's neat. It's, it's interesting because it's play. 
I really like this. Like you're, you're actually playing around with stuff. You don't have this big old plan where you need to have a deadline filled by whenever, and it needs to be this exact thing. You just seem to throw stuff out and see what comes back to you. It's really nice because that's just for creativity reasons, I guess this is the best thing you could potentially do as a creator is just to play with stuff and see what happens. And also as uh, kind of, that's why I'm asking you don't, you don't want to sell it. It's not necessarily a thing that needs to make you money. It doesn't need to be by all. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't even know if, if the word like <laughs> successful, like financially successful, it doesn't need to be that right. It, it just needs to be successful for you as a thing that you built, like an artisanal product that, that you built for yourself. It's really cool. Yeah. And I think it, it removes some of the pressure of feeling like I need to perfect it, uh, which has been really helpful. It's actually been really helpful for me. Even this last week when launching the physical postcards, uh, it's been something I've been thinking about for six months, maybe even longer now. Um, but I was dwelling over how to design the perfect launch announcement, how to find the perfect cause or opportunity, how to uh, design the, the perfect product with the best uh, paper and so forth. And I like last weekend was just like, screw it. Like I need to just stop worrying about launching the perfect thing. And I just need to get it out there. Uh, it doesn't matter how much, how much I sell. Uh, it doesn't matter how much, uh, how much the, how great the product is on day one. What really matters is like, I just get this, I get this out the door because I will then uh, have so much more ability to perfect the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Um, uh, it's a little bit ironic because I think I, I previously mentioned like I, I didn't feel guilty selling my book last year because I spent a whole year working on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I also commented that uh, sometimes if you only spend a weekend on a project, sometimes you might feel guiltier. Um, mm-hmm. In this case, in this case, it was something I needed to ship. It was something I needed to get out and I will, uh, I will be perfecting that product over the next couple of months. I'll have new shipments like every two weeks and each one will give me the ability to improve, but it was something I just needed to get out the door. I, we, we should probably back up. Hold on. Can, can you hear that? There's a bell. I've yet. Yeah. I've, I've recorded, recorded the bell. So we're like five minutes in and we haven't done any introductions or anything. This is like the official first episode. I've got a little bit of an introduction. We probably need to say who we are, even though we've done a few episodes already, but they're sat on my podcast and not this one. Um, So I've got two choices of intro music. So here you go. Wrong one. Obviously, that's kind of the cool, you know, we're, we're three cool guys music. That's It's a hot track, yeah. Yeah, that, that's, you know, that sounds nice if we were talking about the future or whatever industry or blah, 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 blah. Um, so that's probably the one that we'll introduce most things with, but I like this one too. <laughs> it speaks to me. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, we can't pick. We're gonna have to give this one to the to the fam out there in the audience. Uh, I have a feeling for us. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a good. Ooh, what, are, what are the names of the tracks, uh, Craig? Uh, uh, I don't know. I'll, All right. I'll, 
I'll fit the I'll get doddery one and cool one. <laughs> so this is this These is both pretty cool. Doddery, cool. But yeah, doddery, doddery <laughs> feels very avid. So I suppose I should <laughs> say the uh, hello and welcome to the objectively Amazon podcast, isn't it, Jamie? I, I uh, man, you, you know, uh, I don't think it was autocorrect. I think it's just, uh, it's just one of those things. My brain wasn't working. So, uh, Subliminal please, please help, help everyone know and understand what the name of our podcast is. <laughs> is, it, is it sponsored? I don't know. Yeah. So we've called it the objectively amazing podcast after, uh, somebody mentioned it. I forgot already. Now I feel really bad. Who, who said that name? Uh, and it, I believe it's going to be a podcast about creators made by what I believe we call ourselves as creators. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that's all. That's all the intro I've got. And then I thought we'd probably best say who we are. This is going to be episode one, even though we've done a few episodes already. But the other, oh, it's got to whistly bit. I just love that all of this is just random things happen <laughs> like episode one after already three episodes whistling in the background not knowing what music we're going to be taking this is a creator process for sure i really like yeah, it we're, we're podcasting in public i guess that's right <laughs> yeah let's stop, let's stop there we go so yeah who are we <laughs> just in case nobody knows who we are because they will be people who are gonna gonna go back to listening to Episode four, which is episode one, I think we're on, mm-hmm. or episode three, which is episode one. There's gonna you know, be- this kind of reminds me of Star Wars, where episode four was the first episode, kind of in, in the in a good track, right? Mm. Like I like that. Yeah, it's just, it's just the same. <laughs> Honestly, um, b- before I introduce myself, may I tell you that I watched ha- the first half of the Star Wars documentary that is on Disney Plus just a couple of days ago. It was super interesting to to watch to watch like George Lucas's um struggle as a creator to to bring these movies onto the screen like he, he actually had to found a couple of companies among which is industrial light and magic which did all the special effects and was essentially just a group of hippies not doing enough work it was it's pretty hilarious to watch that and because it is a creator trying to find his way through this jungle of um of movie making right he has this vision people don't really believe him because nobody wants to see a space thing that seems to be in the 70s a thing of the past and he's just like struggling through and getting young actors that nobody knew at the time getting them to take part in this it's just a, a very very uplifting story i mean the movies are great but the way they were made if, if you know that it makes them even better because it's just, oh yeah, so it's all these people that don't really know what's going on standing in the desert in Algeria. It's like, it's the first day of, of like, uh, what's supposed to be a super sunny time and it's just raining and messing everything up. It's just funny. It's like a funny journey that reminds me of my own creator journey in many ways. Like struggles, obstacles all over the place. You don't really know where you're going. You don't really know if it's ever going to be a sequel anywhere. You know, like it's, it's all these things. It's, it's very interesting. Um to, to kind of bring this a Star Wars story in here. But may, maybe I could just start introducing myself with this weird meandering tangential story of which you will hear many in this yeah, um, this show. There's <laughs> oh some meandering well, uh, music for you. Thank you. My, my, my name is Ovid. I'm a, I'm a person and I live <laughs> in Germany. 
and I'm supposedly a creator. I'm also supposedly an author. And um, some people call me software engineer. Some people call me founder or something like that. Um, I, I sold a company a couple of years ago and that was a big deal. So apparently I, writing about this is also interesting. I'm just writing about founders and building businesses and trying to help people find a way um, into like financial security by just building stuff and making stuff. And uh, I'm on Twitter a lot. Like I think 26 hours a day is my, my current ratio. And that's, that's where I met both of you for which I'm eternally grateful because you're awesome. And uh, I would now recommend introducing yourselves as well. Oh, go on then, Jamie. Yeah, Arvid, you're great. I, I'm so happy that we're doing this. Um, so for everyone that's uh, out there and unfamiliar with my story, so I'm a, I'm a recovering finance burnout. <laughs> uh, <laughs> after spending seven years uh, working in financial services, I went to go follow my passion uh, to the hottest, uh, fastest growing startup I could possibly find, uh, which was WeWork. And uh, now I'm a recovering WeWork burnout as well. So my story goes uh, in 2019, I was laid off from WeWork after that roller coaster ride and was trying to figure out what was next in my career. And I just started writing. I thought I was gonna be writing to land my dream, my next dream job. So I hopped on LinkedIn and I started writing 500 words a day. I did that for 90 straight days. And through the course of that, <laughs> discovered not my community on LinkedIn, um, uh, rather I discovered a passion for writing. Um, didn't find my next job, found a passion for writing. And um, so for the last year and a half now, have just been uh, experimenting with different forms of, of writing, whether it's creative or, um, or not. And this past year, published my first book, The Underdog Paradox. So um, yeah, the problem with this whole creator economy is finding finding titles for ourselves. I don't know what I want to call myself. I, I like thinking of myself like an inspire, aspiring artist. My mother was an artist, um, but really my primary skill right now is, is probably uh, my most marketable skill is writing. Um, so author, aspiring artist, and creative. Cool. Well, I, I suppose I should ought, ought to introduce myself as well. I don't know what I am. Designer. I guess that's the simplest way to understand it. I run a design agency. I've done that for 10 years. I've been a designer for 15. I jumped on Twitter. Well, I've been on Twitter 12 years, but I jumped on Twitter last year to quote unquote, take it seriously. And that was last February, 2020. And now I've been messing around on Twitter for the last year. I met you two on Twitter. And to some extent, I guess I'm a creator too. I'm not fond of the label. I'm not fond of the creator economy word. It makes me cringe. But maybe we'll get into that at some point. Um, but I, I, I create things. The podcast is one of them. I've got lots of other podcasts. I make YouTube videos. I've just written a book thing too about visuals i've been making visuals for the last year on twitter every day i uh, tend to have far too many fingers in far too many pies uh that's that's probably the best way to understand me uh, yeah that's that's about it i guess uh, and i think this podcast is gonna be about creators but because we, we're all creators in different ways we are we all have massively overlapping skills this whole new thing of the creator economy 
even though I'm not a, a huge fan of the phrase, is this idea of people making stuff like all three of us have done. In fact, all, well, you two have written proper books. I've, I've just written fake book. Oh, you, your book is good. It's gorgeous <laughs> too. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's well done. Yeah, thank you. Um, but we, we're all making products basically and selling them. Um, it, either digital products or real products in some case. Um, and, and that's really what a creator is. And this economy right now is absolutely booming, particularly on Twitter. Everybody is building an audience and making making a product or making an, an ebook, a shitty 10-page ebook a lot of the time. <laughs> um, go on, Jamie. For, and for the first time, Twitter's like actually trying to help creators. Like they've launched a hundred mm-hmm, features yeah. in the last three weeks. Like, uh, that's they're noticing something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they they're starting to make some features and stuff um, to actually support creators. And obviously, the other big one is Gumroad, which is kind of seen as the uh, the kind of way for creators to get paid. In fact, I'm pretty sure that's their tagline on the homepage now: a way for creators mm-hmm. to get paid or something like that. Mm-hmm. So this whole economy is booming, and really, that's what this podcast will be about and also probably cheesy music at some point <laughs> um that's pretty much all the plan we've got for this first episode i mean it's done we've done it in 17 minutes it's not not a nice. bad episode i thought it'd be fun to talk about first uh, and get each person's perspective about what's new for you this week and also what's really exciting you because these things are, are changing so much um I don't know where to begin. Who wants to go first? <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been uh, experimenting a lot the last couple of months. So after launching a book last year, I, I wanted to transition into this phase where, in addition to promoting the book, uh, had kind of like zero plan or zero deadlines for what was next. And uh, what, I, what I really want to do this year is begin to further refine like my style and my taste um, to begin to develop something that's a little bit more like recognizably Jamie. So uh, at the beginning of this year, I was experimenting with uh, photography and writing, a um, little bit of digital photo editing. And I've been writing these 280 character short stories pretty much like every day um, for the last two months or so. And just this week, um, I began packaging those in new and different and unique ways. So Uh, Every single day, I write one short story. At the end of every single week, I package them into my newsletter, a couple of them, my favorite ones, I edit them, make them prettier. This week, I launched my first physical product around these. I call them good notes. Um, They are just physical postcards. Um, All the money that we're raising this week is being donated to help support the current COVID-19 crisis in India. And I just want to show that there are so many different ways that we can use our creations to combine and blend uh, into new and and different products. So this one postcard is the very first one for me. Um, But I think, I think these quote unquote Lego bricks that I'm building can be blended in so many different ways, whether it's digital products that can live on my website, um, cool and kind of almost like virtual worlds that I can build through them. Um, or anthologies and books that are based on the seasons. And I could be putting these out like every quarter. Um, All these different types of things will give me the ability to eventually like monetize my creations in one way, shape or form. 
Um, but right now I'm just for the most part, like giving, giving it all away for free as I'm testing, um, testing a lot. And so for me, I'm continuing to figure out how to refine my Lego bricks so that they are the best possible bricks um, so that I can eventually build them into a larger castle or cathedral. Nice. Go on then. That's awesome. <laughs> well, what are you excited about, Arvid? Oh, everything. Oh, no. Well, I'm, I'm kind of on the finishing line for my book, for my second book. And oh, that yeah. is, um, that is super exciting. And it's kind of, it's like this, this waiting thing, right? I'm, I'm mostly done with all the stuff that I had any kind of impact on, like the writing and the editing and the typesetting, even all of that is mostly done. Just waiting on a couple illustrations still that I have a, another designer from our community actually work on at this point. So it's going to be very exciting. Um, to have them in the book, but it's something that I have no control over. And as somebody who's self-published and have I've done my first book completely by myself, there wasn't too many illustrations and those were mine. Like I've just fiddled some stuff into the book. Now, all of a sudden it's going to be better, but now I have no control. And that's kind of the, it's kind of irks me. I, I want to be done with it. I want to finish the book, but now I have to wait a bit because I set a deadline and everything else came, um, it happens a bit faster. So that's now this kind of stretch of time. I'm super excited to get it done. So uh, I think two weeks from when we're taping this, I guess, do we still say taping? Is that, is that a thing that makes me a millennial? Sounds I, I don't cool, know, doesn't this- it? To say taping. <laughs> okay well two weeks from now or maybe three weeks maybe a month i don't know um i'll release the book the, the whole point of releasing the book in may i think uh, was that when i released my first book when i released zero to sold and i saw how awesome the, the response to this was i said i'm gonna write a book once a year from now on until i have th- no more interest to do this yeah. just to set some sort of kind of accountability system because i really need that i need these these kind of deadlines even though they're not strict at all it's just uh okay once once a year i can deal with this so i i kind of drag my feet a bit until like december <laughs> after actually launching the first book in, in june end of june last year and not doing much for the second one then i kind of had to rush through actually writing it and in january and then have my whole um, audience-centric um, beta reading alpha reading and, and getting all those 500 people that i had on my list into uh, like reading the book and then giving me hints about making it better. So I'm kind of cutting it close because June is coming near, but uh, I, I want to get it out before that. And then I'm going to write my next one, I guess, and get that out before June the year after. Um, that's the plan. So I'm super excited about this. The, the book is, is getting, getting there. And I have all my other little projects. I, I think we all have this, which is probably the reason why we don't like one term or another to, to call ourselves something. Right? I'm, I'm a software engineer when I work on Permanent Link, which is my little SaaS for links and books. I'm a, I'm a writer when I work on my book. I'm a, I don't know what I am when I tweet. And I also don't know what I am when I blog because like it's writing, but it's also more of a like weekly entertainment situation and you try to pull in things from what's happening right now just just a couple of minutes ago i guess or in, uh, yeah my, my my blog post was released on my thoughts about job security and uh entrepreneurship because that's something that i just saw a couple of people talk about last week and i thought hey this is a cool topic to think about so that's kind of how i approach this writing my book is almost very thematic and my my weekly writing is very current so I, I wouldn't call myself a writer. There's the same kind of writer for either of them, but I am a writer in both. Labels are complicated, right? And then they kind of limit you to something. I don't like to be limited, which is probably why you don't like creator economy. 
because it labels you as somebody who creates stuff. So once you don't create, once you just take a day to do nothing, you feel like you're not a creator anymore, which is totally pointless because, you know, you need to refill the well and all these kind of things. But yeah, any label restricts you. So I don't like that either. But that's 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 what's happening professionally for me. And it's a, it's a great blast. I had an AMA on Indie Hackers just yesterday, two days ago. Yeah. That wow. was a big deal. And that was a lot of, uh, that, that was amazing. I think there's been like two and a half thousand views up to this point and like 40 some questions or maybe 30 altogether. It was really, really awesome to talk to all these people and answer their questions. That was um, a lot of fun. And just have to say thank you to Channing for inviting me because he organizes these things for Indie Hackers. And now today, just today, I'm in the Indie Hackers newsletter with like four or five of my answers even so that's happening it's really cool like life is awesome so that's that's where i'm at right now nice yeah i think the thing with the creator label there's probably something we'll talk about in a second the the thing that irks me about it it's a little bit about these building blocks hold on wow i haven't talked for 10 minutes and i've got no voice left um the thing that really irks me about it is, is the building blocks thing so when jamie was talking about building his building blocks or lego bricks or whatever phrase you want to use the kind of skills to become a creator i already have all those things because i've been a designer for so long and, and kind of in, in in the industry as a media guy i guess i can already make videos and podcasts and i can already design stuff and i can already write and i can already do all those things so the the term creator feels to me like it's given a name to something that I I've already been surrounded by for 15 years. All my friends who are designers are the same way as me. A lot of designers are kind of like that. They have the hands in, mm-hmm. in many different skills because it's you're just creative by nature and you enjoy messing with these mediums. So mm-hmm. that's really what kind of irks me about that. But I'm coming across the same thing with the designer phrase now as well. So the things that are exciting me, I've just finished the magic visual which is an ebook at the minute, which is shortly going to be a real book soon. Um, it's a, a book about making visuals online because that's the thing I've been doing for the last year. I made 780, I think, it, when I tweeted it yesterday, 780 visuals in 365 days. And wow. I wrote a book about my experiences of how how to do those things and make people see them and build an audience and all that kind of stuff. So... A lot of the stuff I'm making now is all around visuals. Not, I'm, I'm trying to be quite careful not to compartmentalize myself as to being a designer specifically, even though it's the label that most people understand me as. Um, so I, I've got the book, and then I'm also turning it into a course shortly. I'm going to be doing Justin Michaelis' thing that he's releasing soon, and I'm going to turn use his excellent expertise to turn it into a course of some kind. And then... I've got the community, which is daily visual, which we all make visuals in there and uh, give feedback to each other and that kind of thing. So all of my stuff is focusing towards visuals and that kind of thing now. Um, I have been enjoying writing a lot more lately and also making videos on YouTube. The other thing that is exciting me right now is on Twitter, I'm trying to write threads this week because I've seen several people now absolutely explode their Twitter followings by writing threads, and it is annoying the hell out of me um, that I can't do it. So I am trying to write a thread every day for seven days. So far, I've written two. Um, 
another one goes out today in an hour. The two threads I've written so far have just tanked. <laughs> They're like the worst ever things I've ever written. And I spent ages writing them and it's really pissing me off. Um, so I hope today's is going to be a bit better. So that's kind of the thing I'm doing this week. I want to return to the other thing though. Where, so we've all written something here. Uh, this comes to the label thing again, right? You kind of touched on it then, Arvid. You don't consider yourself to be an author. Do you consider yourself to be an author, Jamie? Do you like that label? So I use the label so that people know what the heck I'm doing. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I, 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 it's, it's, I think it's hard to describe sometimes because uh, where I see myself in five years, uh, maybe, maybe author is just like one of five or eight words that would be best to describe where I yeah. want to be in five years. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I use the title. I, I, I accept it when, when people give me that title. Um, but I, I don't view myself as a, as an author. I, I'm not going to publish, uh, uh, 20 books in my lifetime and do nothing else. Maybe, yeah. maybe I'll publish 20 books. That would be a, amazing if I had that opportunity or, um, but, but I, I don't see that, uh, being my, my path, uh, there are there are many great writers and many great authors that can uh, build successful careers on just their books alone, and I I don't see myself being fully satisfied with with that career path personally. So uh, I'll be creating many things and wearing hopefully many hats and uh, maybe in uh, maybe in in two years you guys will be calling me a, a no coder or developer or something else, but uh, maybe not developer, but. But I, I really want to continue to expand my skill sets, and and uh, I think I think the thing that's been difficult for me my entire career so far is I've always been a jack of all trades and master of none, and I think I just need to lean into that. I think I just need yeah. to accept that. Yes. And there's nothing nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Being a Swiss Army knife is a cool thing. So um, I I want to continue to develop my skills so that I can create the things that I, I want to be able to create without having to hire a whole army of people to do it. I really, really like this. Just, just one side note, just the company Victorinox making Swiss army knives. They had such trouble selling Swiss army knives after the, the whole nine 11 situation that they now have diversified into watches and like uh, all kinds of different things as well. It's funny that the company making the thing that's everything in one now makes other things because that one thing isn't enough anymore, but I really, really like your perspective. Just uh, stepping back from, from this really stupid joke just now. Um, the, you're, you don't want to be an author because you project this thought into the future and you see yourself writing 20 books and doing nothing else and it bores you it's hilarious right you think of this and oh yeah i'm gonna do the same thing for the next 20 years and there's no learning in between there's no exploration there's no play there's no experimentation i'm just gonna do the same thing over and over again i, I think this is this is the, at the core of what the, this creator economy supposedly should encompass for me, right? It's like you are a lifelong learner and that's the definition of who you are. And anything you do at this point, anything you do a year from now, anything you have done in the past is part of this. It doesn't exclusively describe what you do and it doesn't limit you to doing this thing alone for the rest of your life. But experimenting is at the core of your job. I'm, I'm just thinking, but because you say like, um, check of all trades, it's kind of this, this T-shaped person 
um, where you have this kind of broad skill set and then one deep skill set. And now people figure out, oh, I I'm not, don't need to be T-shaped. I can be T-T-T-shaped or M-shaped or whatever that would be. You have multiple spikes that go down and certain kind of length. Some, some things you're really good at, some things you're half good at or you're good enough at, right? I would call myself a sufficient software engineer. I probably wouldn't be able to build the most complicated systems without some help. I could I would figure it out, but I'm not as good a software engineer as I may be, I don't know, a teacher in, in the sense, right? I'm, I'm still I'm also a writer, but writing and teaching is not the same. Writing is could, could be for copy or other kind of things. So I, I'm all these things and I'm super happy that I get to be all these things. And it's the sum of that, the fact that every day I get to use some of this knowledge in some capacity to further my exploration of the world and to further my ability to teach others to get to wherever they want to be. Now that's what my job is. And since we don't have a word for that, for what I just like spent two minutes trying to describe, we put on some kind of label, like creative, which I think is one of the best ones or just lifelong learner, which I also really appreciate, right? Because it's everybody's, everybody is a, is a learner if you let them. <laughs> and only if they box themselves into this kind of, oh, my, my career, the next 50 years until I get to retire is doing the same thing over and over again, but just slightly better. I think we're beyond that. Or many people are beyond that. There's still people who like to do this, and that's perfectly fine with me as well. But I think in an industry such as ours, which is many industries at the same time, but all of them are creative, trying to empower people, trying to make lives easier and lives better. There is no clear path. The only path is just continuing to walk forward and seeing where it takes you, right? They're all kind of trying to go through the jungle with a machete and see where the next kind of ray of light comes from. It's it's all all the, the journey. The journey is kind of the job, <laughs> figuring yeah. stuff out along the way. Uh, I, so I, how do you feel about this? Yeah. I went on a, a podcast recently and they asked me at the beginning, like you probably get asked, what do you do? I'm like, oh, how long have you got? Um, <laughs> I, I do this, I do that, I do blah, 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 blah. And then we had a big, long conversation about this. The, the usual thing I get asked is, how do you do all of it and all this kind of thing. And I, it became almost like a, a, a therapy session. <laughs> like, I, I just enjoy doing all these things, you know, right? It's, it's just me. But what Bram said on the podcast, which really resonated with me and which I've used quite a lot since was that my medium isn't design or podcasts or YouTube or Twitter or writing. The medium is ideas, uh, and I just love sharing ideas. And it, it kind of just depends on what mood I'm in as to which medium is right for that idea. And sometimes that idea could be shared on several different mediums. Um, this idea I'm talking about right now has been shared in several different mediums already. But I like to think of myself these days is quite medium agnostic that I just either want to do one thing one day and I do that thing or I just try to use the best medium that's most appropriate for the idea that I'm sharing at that point in time it felt like with with a book that I just finished it felt good to be a book because you don't usually see uh, those kind of things in books they're usually YouTube videos or whatever but I wanted to make some kind of reference thing that people could return to and I, I think I think we do get, I felt a little bit like you, Jamie, probably about two years ago, where my label was designer, and I felt like I everything I did had to be p 
pursuing the, the thing of design, I had to be furthering my equity as a designer, which meant that I didn't do a lot of things for a really long time because I, I, it just didn't feel like it was a thing that a designer would do. And now, now I've just completely collapsed into that. I, I just don't care anyway. I'll just make anything and do anything and say anything. But for the longest time, particularly on Twitter for me, I wouldn't say certain things or do things or talk about, you know, I, I'm reading Marcus Aurelius at the minute. I wouldn't say anything like that because it didn't fit the angle of designer. It's bloody hard to maintain that kind of perfect persona like that. Yeah, so I think... I think part of the reason it's difficult is we're, we're kind of early in terms of having anyone develop careers around these concepts. So if you're a doctor or a lawyer, career paths that we've had for centuries, you just tell someone, I'm a doctor. When you introduce yourself, you don't start telling them every single thing that you do in the operating room. <laughs> that's what we do because we have to tell people what we do they're like you're what creator what does that mean <laughs> you're what do you create <laughs> um but for a doctor or a lawyer you just that's, that's right i worked in finance right like i don't have to really say much more most people are like i don't want to know any more than that yeah. <laughs> um, but i think like we're still developing a lot of labels around this i think we're still very early on which is why i think a podcast like this one is, is important because we're going to start to help people understand a little bit more about our journeys in real time, which is why I think Arvid's next book is really, really important because it's going to start putting definitions and perspective around some of these ideas and concepts that uh, have only had a few viral blog posts written about them before, right? Like maybe there are a couple of books out there, but not those that have really started to dive deep into this. So I think we're, we're very early on. And I, I kind of like draw the net, like the only thing that I can relate it to right now is like back in 2016, when I was in grad school, um, I, I founded a basically like cryptocurrency and blockchain club for students, right? Every single time we held an event, the first thing that every student wanted to know was like, how does blockchain work? And you spend the first half an hour trying to dive deep into like the intricacies of how a distributed ledger, ledger technology works. How, why, why does that make sense? When you tell someone about the internet, like you don't tell them how all the protocols work, mm -hmm. right? Like you just accept it. You know what the internet is. I think we're similar. I think we're at a similar stage here mm -hmm. in our careers um, right. in this type of economy, uh, still lacking a lot of labels and lacking a lot of awareness and, um, a lacking, lacking a lot of the kind of uh, paths that yeah. any traditional career has had. Oh, that, that's I the, think that's that's the problem, isn't it? There isn't a traditional career yeah. like you, like you said. I can't tell my mum or dad I'm a creator. I tell them I'm a designer, and they don't understand. So hmm. th this, whatever this is, that's another level higher, isn't it? <laughs> Well, a hundred years from now, people are going to tell their parents that they want to be like Arvid Kahl. <laughs> nice. German. No, but honestly, um, I, I, have, I have a thought here, if, if, I, if I may. Um, I, I think one, one of the core differences that, that we have in our lives is that we have personal audiences. Like we have our, our personal brands. And I think even as a doctor or as a, as a lawyer, you don't have that. 
necessarily. You're still kind of in this kind of, either you're in an agency or in a lawyer, law, law office, or you're at a hospital, or you have a position as, I don't know, head ophthalmologist, which is every head ophthalmologist, like eye doctor, essentially, of each um, hospital out there, they're kind of doing the same thing. Because it's the same job, but um, we all have extremely personalized audiences. So we, we couldn't just switch places and hope that the people that follow us would now follow the other guy. It's not the same thing, right? So it's, it's at the core of how we work, like who we work for and how people can access our services that something has changed significantly compared to traditional careers. That that is that's my theory at least here because you have a like both of you have a, a personal audience that might intersect on some levels but I I bet there's people in your each personal audiences that have never heard of either of you right you know the other essentially but and that's fine that is not just fine that's actually that's why we can have multiple uh, positions in this field because there is different people that follow certain people for certain reasons and that concept is super hard for somebody to understand. Like tell, try telling people from our parents' generation that you're an influencer. They, they might understand it because they've seen like um, Kardashians or something, but they don't see it on this small micro-influencer level where you have a couple thousand, maybe a couple tens of thousands of people following you. And that is enough to actually pay for, for your life because you've got like sponsorship deals because you're on Instagram, like holding some stuff in the camera or like I, I've seen authors, um, one of the people that is using my service permanent link for their book, um, Gege Orosh, he, he was a, an engineer at Uber and he released a book just recently um, about mobile applications and at scale. And it's, I think it's, that's what it's called because he's been building the, the mobile apps for Uber or he's been on the engineering um, management side there. And he has uh, actually released a book as a PDF for free because he had sponsors for his book. Now, that's something that I've never heard before. I, I've heard of sponsorship for podcasts or sponsorship for like YouTube videos or something where you can actually like hold something into a camera. But now there's actually sponsors that pay so that you link them in your book. Yeah. And, and that is, that is, it's just so different compared to the, the models that we had before of how we monetize our lives, right? There was a salary coming in from somewhere because you made somebody more money than they spent or something. But now it's all of this, okay, now now I'm I'm doing attention redirection. Like I, I get my audience attention on something and somebody somewhere else pays me for that. Super complicated to even understand it yourself as a creator, as an entrepreneurial creator, much more almost impossible to, to convey to somebody who comes from a traditional understanding of how an economy works. And I think that's that's where the, the main main line is, is drawn as well. Well, look Does at that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and it's it's only just developing as well. If you just look at people like um the Paul brothers, you, you know, that they, they've done a few boxing matches now and they've they've made millions. Mm-hmm. Um they they weren't I don't even know if there's professional boxers yet. I know it's very easy to become a professional boxer. Uh the license so easy so yeah. easy it must be so <laughs> yeah I, I, I could totally do it <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean i mean the licenses and stuff like that it isn't that hard um but they they've like made more money than most boxers yeah actually good yeah. boxers <laughs> would in, in the whole career right in the whole career yeah they made millions yeah. in some of their latest fights and it's purely because they had an audience to begin with mm-hmm. no matter what you think about them the reason I bring that example up is because it's just another weird, crazy, individualized example of a creator 
making money in a very different way that you'd never imagine um and and making more money than they could ever imagine as well they, they've they've set for life now they could go away and never do anything again uh and Brett, I, I talked to brendan garn about this a little bit because he he works as uh in influencer marketing i think the official term is called influencer marketing uh and he said the market for influencer marketing over the last 10 years has just completely changed and exploded and now they're in a very weird situation where the people do actually reference themselves as being influencers they do know their value they know how they're going to make money from their value previous 10 years ago it was people like brendan going to them saying oh have you thought about promoting i don't know coca-cola mm. um we'll give you a case of coca-cola to put on your youtube video or whatever and now it's very much the other way around this world mm -hmm. that that we're in right now it, it doesn't stand still for even a day and no. it, it doesn't surprise me with a with a sponsored book thing it's only the beginning of things we can't even imagine yeah yeah and it, and it really shows that you, you can you can do this as a single person I mean, like as a, as an individual, you don't need to have an agency or be registered at an agency. The, the gatekeepers have just completely gone. Like he self-published his book. The, the PDF is just one of three versions. The other one is on, on Gumroad or on, on Amazon, KDP, right? Print, print on demand. Like I, I do with my books because I, I just really enjoy it. The fact that I even can do this is amazing. So I do. So, and, and, and yeah, he has no, no publisher behind this. Like nobody organized this for him. He just wrote them an email. Like, hey, I am this guy. I, I have an audience of like, what is it now? 60,000 people on Twitter or something. And I'm going to release a book. Do you want to be the ones that get to be on, on the, on the list? Right. It's, it's crazy. Like you, you have this personal audience at the moment you can verify it to somebody it's worth something. And I'm, I'm not building my audience because I want to monetize it necessarily. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a consequence of this, right? I just want to have an audience that I could reach more people with what I'm thinking about. And I guess that brings me to what you just said with the idea, right? You, you, your medium is ideas. Um, th that is that's almost a, a philosophical approach, right? You, you don't deal in art or you don't deal in, in objects or in, in products, you deal in knowledge. And, and the more you can distribute and disseminate this knowledge, the better. And for that, you need an audience. And then the consequence of this is that other people want to have like a piece of the pie and they are willing to pay you and that monetizes your life. But in, in a way, all we want to do, and I, I see this for the three of us in, in three different capacities, is we want to tell stories and we want to teach from from a from many different perspectives and I, I really like how different our books are because they all have the same goal is to teach people something really interesting to help them become better at whatever they're doing but we do it in three distinctly different ways and i, I really like that for each of us there's an audience of eager people trying to consume that particular way and it works for them that's the best way it works for them and then there, there's people who it doesn't work for, no problem, just go to that guy over there or girl and their work will be better for you. It's not better, better, right? It's, it's, it's the same stuff essentially, but it just applies, it, it resonates more with you. And the fact that this can lead to all of us making a living from essentially trying to teach the things the way we think they should be taught is amazing. Right? There's the, the, the whole gatekeeping, the institutionalized, this is how teaching happens, what we all went through in school, right, with a curriculum, 
like we don't have a curriculum to what we do when we teach. I mean, we may have courses, we may have like chapters and sections, but that is just because that's how we understand things. It's not how we think other people need to understand them. We just tell it the way we know it. And that resonates with people. I really like this. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are discovering uh, new ways to learn Yeah, in this, yeah. Uh, maybe more human ways to learn uh, ways that were used four or 500 years ago to learn that concept or idea of permissionless apprentice or mm -hmm. the idea of learning through emulation. Like how did Leonardo da Vinci learn? Like he worked in a shop with another great sculpt sculptor and artist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Like there's, you, you don't, learn from sitting in a classroom eight hours a day when you're Leonardo da Vinci, you just learn from doing, um, not to say that th there's no space for classrooms. Classrooms are important as well, but, uh, this, this new idea of like using Twitter as a classroom and mm -hmm. finding your teacher or finding someone who you desire to emulate and then teaching others, um, along the way. It's, it's very, very fascinating. That's crowdsourced education, right? Like, like in a almost recursive kind of structure. Like everybody learns something and teaches that, and then those people learn something and teach that. It's like this this burst, this wave of knowledge, just consistently being expressed through the medium. It's really cool. And here's one of the craziest things too. I, I want people to realize, at least for myself, is I'm not just learning from the big accounts. I actually learn a lot about things like creativity from some accounts right now that have 200 followers or less. Mm -hmm. They might not realize it. I think they do because I DM them a lot. But, um, but I, I learn a lot from even some of the smaller accounts where if you think of it like a classroom and you think of your, uh, your large 800 person stadium style classes, you have very little interaction with that teacher. But there are some people out there that can teach you writing or design or illustration or just basic concepts and principles and creativity that could inspire you where you can have a one-on-one -on -one interaction with that teacher every single day. Mm -hmm. And I find that to be really interesting and maybe one of the most underutilized resources on Twitter. I think mm -hmm. this, this is sometimes an issue with looking at the follower count, isn't it? You yeah. as assume that, for one, you assume that the follower count has come down genuinely so that's often a mistake um and for two you assume that somebody with a hundred thousand followers is somehow more valuable than somebody with a hundred followers it couldn't be further from the truth with twitter it just means you're good at twitter i think we spoke about this before on mm -hmm. episode 55 or whatever one of the episode other old episodes was um <laughs> uh, yeah and I, I think it's it's a really important point you bring up jamie because there's there's often times where you get to a certain point i think specifically with twitter um maybe it's 10,000 or 20,000 it could be different for everybody where you can't be interacting with people like that anymore you just do not have the capacity in your day to be able to be dming people and replying to everybody and all that kind of thing so there there is absolutely a lot of value from smaller accounts um and things like that and I've actually run across this recently in my own head. I've been, I was talking about the thread thing earlier, right? Um, 
And the, the reason I'm trying the thread thing is because, as I said, it was pissing me off that people were adding thousands and thousands of followers overnight on their accounts, and I wanted a piece of the pie. And then I, so all, all I've done over the last couple of days, I deleted all my tweets. I'm not writing any tweets. I'm writing threads. And then the threads tanked. And I was thinking about this a little bit more. and thinking, what really am I chasing here? Am I chasing more followers purely for the sake of followers because I've seen this hack and this trick that other people are doing? Yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. And should I be doing that? No, the answer is no, I shouldn't be doing that. I was chasing the, the followers because I thought it was an easy shortcut and an easy way to get the followers. But what I've done in, in by doing that is stopping writing the silly, ridiculous, um, kind of nonchalant tweets that I normally put out and focusing 100% on writing something that's really valuable and it's backfired because that's not the reason that apparently people follow me. So... That's just a roundabout way of saying that we sh- we shouldn't be so focused on these follower things on Twitter mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, there's a lot more going on with it, a lot of different ways to provide value. Yeah, definitely. Also, like, why are you writing tweets, right? Are you writing tweets for the people that already follow you or for those who don't? Right? That's, that's always always a complicated thing with a, mm-hmm. when you have this metric. Because on True. one hand, there's just there's the whole idea of retention, and there's there's the growth. Like these are two different things. Like keeping people engaged because they already like what you've done before is needs very different content from engaging new people who haven't seen you before, who just see it for the first time and they are immediately hooked. They go to your profile; it's well set up, and then they click on follow. Like this whole kind of conversion path that is almost a marketing ex- exercise. But retaining people, that is a value nurturing exercise. Like keeping people engaged and telling them, hey, I, or not, not even telling them, just having a funny tweet because they like your funny tweets. And that, oh yeah, it's another funny tweet. I'm gonna stay with this guy for another week, right? That's, that's a totally different situation. The moment you start optimizing for any of these metrics, um, it's, it's like the thing, the thing that, that gets measured gets optimized for. And if you only measure growth, and you don't measure retention, then you might alienate your followers that you already have, the people who already like what you do, really just um, by by trying to get more people to follow you. And I'm not saying that you're currently doing this. I, I still find this an interesting idea with the threads because you know the Twitter algorithm is the Twitter algorithm is a black box. We don't really know what's going on with it. Like we, we only can hope that the thing we put there gets us more reach. And if a threat does that, maybe maybe it's worth trying it out for a couple of days. Maybe it has this kind of internal, okay, has it been doing much like threats in the past? So then get, gets this one gets more exposure, whatever the, the system is. I don't know. I like the idea of experimenting with it, but in experimenting with it, you might alienate your existing followers. And that is not necessarily a goal, right? The goal is to keep kind of both in a balance. So... Yeah. I, I like the experiment. And if the experiment is now over because you figured this out, then success, right? But if you keep going, then it's still fine as well. I don't want to necessarily tell you what to do here. I just find it interesting that yeah. um, we have this balance that, that we need to maintain with an audience, like with not just audience, any customer base. And essentially, I don't want to think as my audience, as my customers, and there may be potential customers for my work in the future. But if you have a business and you have customers, if you want to grow, you have to keep the people you have already and you have to add new ones for the ones to churn off. 
right? Just yeah. like these two things that you need to take care of in every business, SaaS business, e-com business, whatever. And I think it's the same for audiences. You have to deal with both. It, it's very interesting because until this week, I have never really considered the idea of retaining people or bringing more people in. My Twitter presence has been purely process-driven. The fact that I, I I write 10 tweets a day, that's it. I write 10 tweets a day, that's it. Start mm. again, again, again. That has been the whole focus. And to this last week when I decided to write the threads was the first time I ever really sat down and thought, okay, what do people want to know from me? What's worked before? Uh, what threads have I written before that did really well? How can I add value? And I, I, I've really approached it as a marketing exercise. And the whole thing has completely collapsed on me because mm. I, I think on one level, maybe I'm not enjoying it. Uh, writing threads is not, not natural for me. It's hard. It takes a lot of time to edit it. And I'm usually more off the cuff. I write a tweet and it's done. It's usually full of spelling mistakes. I don't even reread the 280 characters I write. So I, I think having to reread and plan and all this kind of thing is really irking me. Um, huh. But what, what, I'm, what I'm really saying about this is that previous to this, I, I never focused on either retaining people or removing people or seeing anybody as an audience or any of those kind of things. I turned up on Twitter, and this is what I've reintroduced after realizing, I turned up on Twitter as really as, as a writing practice for me, as a notebook almost, to just say whatever was in my mind that day. And I think what I did by trying to think more the value base, bringing more people in, it, it was focusing me more down on thinking how to write things uh, for the algorithm, which I don't it removes the personality. I, I look back on the threads, it removes the personality straight away. By necessity, you have to remove the personality because the goal yeah. is for it to go viral. And that just doesn't sit right with me. That was the thing that was really bugging me. I deleted all the tweets, the 10 slots that I normally write. I was just putting out this, I won't say beautiful, but well-crafted thread every day that had zero personality. And and I think that's probably what happened that's been really irking me, that I just got rid of all the personality. I put out a video this morning talking out about exactly this. You know, I'm, I'm doing this thing. It doesn't, I don't think they're going very well, but I'm going to keep going for another couple of days. That was the most engaged thing I've had <laughs> in like yeah. three days because I, yeah. I was just being myself. I, I think that it's a really important point to remember sometimes all these growth hacks like you, I was looking at the threads thinking it's a it's a good thing to look at. But just don't throw the baby out with the bathwater with, with mm -hmm. all these things. Try them and see what happens. And remember what made Twitter good for you in the first place. Not not necessarily building the audience. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Jamie? Okay. Got something? Yeah. I mean it, it's 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 interesting because we talk a lot about how like the best thing that we can be doing when building our products or uh, building our careers is just to be ourselves, like be us, like in the creator economy, my competitive advantage versus 
Craig versus Arvid versus anyone else out there. Like I, I'm me, right? Like people signed yeah. up for me. Uh, they did not sign up for um, uh, that, that those, that one person who's been writing mega threads for the last year who went from one uh, K to a hundred K followers. Uh, maybe they're following that person as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're getting the value that they need from that person. They're getting something else from me. Um, there's a lot of options out there in the buffet of Twitter. Yeah. And, uh, and I think people want to follow Craig for Craig. Um, yeah, that, that's it, isn't it? You get more, you get more, you get more back what you put out or some, something like that, that. I can't think of the correct word in people. People are smart. Like everyone, everyone on Twitter is, there's a lot of smart users out there, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're all smart. We're all human beings. We're all smart. Uh, people love those vulnerable videos that you put out, Craig. I saw that one yeah. that you were referring to this morning. I love that video. <laughs> it was real. It was human. It was you. Uh, yeah, so crazy. if there's any lesson here, man, <laughs> just keep, keep do, do 20 keep, videos, keep sucking at threads <laughs> and then talk about how much you suck at threads in a video and the video is going to pop oh, off. So funny. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. But, but I, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely right. And I think like what you've been trying to do with the threads is the one extreme. And then there's what I call think boy tweets. We talked about this before, right? <laughs> These super dense, super um, quotable tweets. And that's the other end where you try to remove as much as you can. So it's, it's super shiny. It's like four words and it expresses the whole thing. And there are people out there who are really good at this, like Jack Butcher or, or Julian Shapiro, that they have this style. Um, and then there, then there are people who are not good at this like me, <laughs> but I have some, some, some of my tweets have this capacity and then they, they work really well because they are quotable, but then they attract a weird kind of people that are not necessarily the followers that I want to have. So why would I want to have a viral tweet that gets me in front of those people that I don't really want to have in my audience? Not that they're the wrong people. I'm not saying that people who like this tweet are the wrong people for me. I'm just saying there are people who are maybe less aligned with my outlook on what entrepreneurship is and what creativity is than I am. They are more, more in there for the quick hacks, for the the, the super quotable, um, makes your mind explode kind of um what's the word? I don't know. Just the kind of phrases, right? And I'm not, I don't want to be that. I want to be, I want to be expressive. I want to show myself in, in the tweet. And that's the thing. If you try to put a tweet into four words, well, where's your authentic, authentic self in there? Certainly not going to be much of it left, right? If you take all these words off that, that make it quotable or to make it quotable. So the thread is the other thing. You try to explode a topic, but you you have to leave yourself out. Otherwise, it becomes kind of mimetic. It's like a meme of yourself explaining something and you make hilarious jokes every two thread tweets. Like doesn't work either. I think the, the way I, I really like your video content because you honestly describe your life and you dealing with stuff. And I think that's why people follow many creators on Twitter, not necessarily for the output, but for the process. And you turn your process into output, which is genius. So that's what people really enjoy. I, I personally do. I, I watch almost every single video that you put out. Don't look at every tweet. <laughs> no, sorry. I, mean, I, I, I ignore most of your tweets, but <laughs> I, I see the videos because I know, oh, he's something that is going to be super insightful and relatable. Right? Yeah. The tweets, maybe not as much because you might be talking about a design thing that I might not resonate with, yeah, yeah. but you struggling with stuff, like who couldn't relate to that? 
coming back to the process, um, I, I, you know, obviously we're everyone's everyone, all of our listeners are probably familiar with the build in public movement, but Craig, one of the things I see you do so well is you're always experimenting and you're always teaching people about the experiments that you're running and at least the process and thought process behind why and whether they work or not. But, uh, that's, that's interesting. Like the fact that you're doing these threads right now, it's like another interesting phase, right? Like the example I sometimes go back to is that, um, I think he's a comedian, but Morgan Spurlock, the guy who built that documentary, supersize me. He does a couple of other things where he does like, you know, for 90 days, he'll do this and then he'll film it and tell the whole story behind it. Like, that's what I see you doing in real time often. And so all of these like timeline uh, hacks that you're trying, like the, the video provides us the perspective behind all of it. That's like the documentary behind yeah. like all of these other things. It's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of something because I use Twitter the way I do as a notebook that usually just references back to things that, I, that, I, that I'm learning. I'm not actually really saying them to anybody. I'm actually almost just saying them to myself. This is the thing that I yeah. w- worked out, um, which as a result of it, I think people enjoy. Obviously, the videos are for other people. I'm not just recording myself. That that'd be a bit weird. But the, a lot a lot of the tweets are, is really just a notebook of of me saying, "This is why I don't think it's working. This is probably why I'm not going to do it." But yeah, I I, I I think that's quite important way to 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 approach social media i think once you get to the point where you you are being yourself you, there's so much opportunity for content everywhere you look and turn you can literally make content about content like i'm doing right now like we spent ha- mm-hmm. like we spent 10 minutes talking yeah. about it here uh, and it's valuable right it's super yeah. valuable to, for people to see this that this is not necessarily reflected it just happens and that makes it content right yeah. that, that that itself is valuable to understand but I think I think you potentially miss out on some of that. Like the the, the pinned video on my Twitter right now is I want to start imperfect Twitter, um, and I think you potentially miss out on some of these insights or sharing them with people if you're so concerned by only making the really good threads, which is the kind of conclusion I've come to. The other conclusion I came to as well is that I started thinking, right, would I follow a person who writes a really good thread? No. Probably not. Would I follow somebody who only writes really good threads? Again, no, probably not. Would I follow somebody who says a funny joke or shares an insight about his life? Yes, because I want to follow the person who is behind the Twitter account. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things, uh, when we were talking about Jack Butcher, he writes really good tweets, but some of my favorite tweets that he wrote are, are around the th- things that are in his life. Like when he posted a... a a picture of all the videos in his camera roll when he was trying to do an off the cuff video and when he posted him post uh, when he posted a video of him going out to uh, the post office to post out all his big heavy books those are the kind of things that a lot of people want want to see because yeah. it just humanizes you doesn't it uh, and it's nice to see that that's what I forgot. Yeah, so that's at the core of, of this this whole personal brand thing. And I don't like the phrase. I don't like personal brand or personal audience because it all kind of almost salesifies this whole thing, right? It puts puts a 
um, 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 an emphasis on the eventual monetization, which is, I guess, important for everybody, but it's not the the reason. It's a consequence to, yeah. to me, at least. And um, staying human and staying yourself, but that's your value. Like if you have a personal, whatever audience brand or following or, you know, what it, whatever it is, if it's personal, it's supposed to be about you, then you cannot remove yourself from your content. That that is detrimental to the audience, to yourself even. Like you, you're going to feel like an imposter. Like that's going to be the one application of the imposter syndrome that I will accept is when you step away from being yourself, when you act like you're not yourself, like then you are quite literally an imposter because you are an actor. You're, you're, you're faking something for whatever reason. And I don't want to be that. Like I just want to, I want to sit here, talk about stuff that I find mildly or somewhat interesting on Twitter, write about it, like write about it on my blog. And that's, that's really what I want to do. I don't do this because there's a grand scheme somewhere. It's just in my, enjoyable for me. And it's how I communicate. And if I ever do something else that really doesn't align with this, then I need to reflect on this and, and wonder why I'm doing that. Because if, if it takes away from my credibility as myself, both to others and to myself, right? If I can't believe that I am me anymore, right? It's going to reduce the quality of what I do. It's going to reduce the joy that I get from doing it. And it's going to reduce my reputation with other people for being authentic. And neither of that is anything that I would ever want. So it, yeah, authenticity and staying who you want to be. I think that's, that's at the core of what we do. Yeah. I, I also think like the reason all three of us and many others get into this arena is because we see an opportunity ahead of ourselves where we are able to make money just being ourselves. And so if at any point you try to growth hack your way in one direction that isn't authentic, you're screwing yourself in the long term. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, when I got laid off from WeWork, Uh, A lot of people thought like, why are you doing all this writing? Like, how are you going to make money from this? And that has absolutely nothing to do with it. I won't be making a living off of this for quite some time, at least based on the current path that I'm going down. Um, But I I hope to someday. And uh, what I am doing right now is not taking a risk, but rather hedging any risk of me ever being put in the same situation ever again in the future. Mm. Yeah. And, and I think there are ways that I could hack my way to a large audience in the next year, or I can continue to uh, slowly grow a community of people that know me. Um, it's that like thousand true fans, hundred true fans, <laughs> 10 true fans type of philosophy, um, yeah. you know, and, and I, I think there's, there's a lot of different versions of that, but but that's all I'm trying to do. And, and hacking my way to it will uh, maybe help in the short term if I was trying to sell a $10 ebook, but yeah, but I'm not. Yeah, probably won't. <laughs> like even if you were to sell your $10 ebook, like if you, if you hack your way into that audience, that that'll just die off at some point and then nobody will buy it ever again. Right? It won't help but me long like, term. Yeah. It won't help yeah. me build that sustainable career in this. Yeah. Base that I I will need. So I think 
that's that's the core sustainability like both for yourself for your efforts for your energy levels for your motivation is important but also really relationships like building honest real relationships with people um it kind of i'm thinking about this because if you want to stay yourself then you have to have a good relationship with yourself Right? It, it, if, if you don't like yourself, if you think you're, you're doing stuff wrong, you're not going to stay the same person. You're going to try to like, figure out a different way. But if you like yourself, if you're good with yourself, then you can be that person reliably for a long time. And that attracts people because nobody wants to follow somebody who is not happy with who they are. But the moment you are, the moment you show who you are and you're vulnerable, you, you, you don't care about people seeing the negative. Like building in public is for me mostly about sharing the stuff that doesn't work. Because that is what's more important than the great things you accomplish. Because we all have confirmation bias and whatever kind of things, right? So showing the things that don't fit into this are much more interesting to me and the people that that I show them to, I guess. Um, yeah, that that is, if you're comfortable with this, then people will be comfortable with you. And that builds relationship. And what you were saying, a thousand true fans, the whole point of this is to build so much relationship that no matter what happens, you always have something to fall back on. So you have these people that will buy whatever you put out because they want to support you. Don't yeah. abuse this, obviously, but they support you because you're great, <laughs> because they think you're great and because you think you're great. And that kind of colors off like that. They, they kind of feel that from you. So th- that kind of build, relationship building, both with yourself and with the people that follow you, that's the central to, to building an audience, building a following and essentially building the life you want to have, right? Because it's all kind of the same. It's just different perspectives on the same kind of path. You built your own thing, whatever it is. Maybe you can't even describe what it is, but you know what it is because it is the thing that you do for a prolonged period of time. I I think that's it. Oh, I've gone really bright. I think that's probably mm-hmm. the best place to end, but it, it, it feels like... That's done. <laughs> I don't feel right to end on that when we've had so many <laughs> like serious points, does it? <laughs> I think we start low. So if anyone's if anyone's tuned into this, maybe we should give them a little uh, uh, debrief. Just skip the first thirty minutes. <laughs> we tried to be too rehearsed at the beginning. Like it was our first episode. We're just you're trying to figure it out. But really, all you have to do is just uh, <laughs> brush all that formality to the side. Maybe we can just time it so the first thirty minutes is about fish and chips and English breakfast and German breakfast and things like that. And- <laughs> And then the 30 minutes is the actual the thing that people will actually want to tune in for. Oh, that's yeah. funny. Yeah. Well, it was a good conversation. I re- really enjoyed it. Good for a first slash fourth episode. That was good. <laughs> has, it, has anybody got any final wisdom to leave us on? Or? That was it, isn't it? <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, just do your thing. I'll just fade that up and we'll go away. <laughs> <laughs>